Welcome to the Storytellers Project, brought to you by the Reno Gazette Journal. This podcast features oral storytellers who help strengthen empathy and connect our community through diverse, first-person stories of Northern Nevada. In this episode, education reporter Siobhan McAndrew is a mom and a reporter, and those two roles don't always mix. There are a few stories that Siobhan has always looked back on, stories that make her grateful and realize that there are bigger obstacles in life. This is episode six, Always Say I Love You. Hi, I'm a a mom. I have two amazing kids. I have a two-year-old son named Michael, and my daughter Riley is five and three quarters. Now, she made me add the three quarters when she heard me rehearsing this morning, so I promised her I would say three quarters. I I think I'm like most working moms. I'm really, really tired, and I always feel like I'm, I'm, I'm failing miserably. For example, I, when I'm leaving for work in the morning and I'm rushing the kids out of the door and I'm rushing myself out of the house to get to work on time, I feel so guilty that I'm not that mom who's making pancakes. I'm the mom who's, who's in the front seat throwing goldfish crackers at the back seat on the way to work. That's the kind of mom I am. And then, then on the other side, I feel guilty after a day of working. I really miss my kids, so I'm racing out of the office to go, to go pick up my kids. And I feel so guilty because I, I'm leaving so many really important stories that mean so much left unfinished that we'll have to wait another day. So, so it's really a juggling act. I'm going to give you an example of the perfect storm in, in my working mom world. It was election day, just this past election, um, Trump versus Clinton, very big day. In journalism, this is like the Olympics, the Super Bowl, the Academy Awards all rolled into one day. This is a big day in journalism. It's all hands on deck. Everyone has to be at work that day. Everyone works that day. You're expected to work you know, morning till night. And, and I know this, so I'm prepared. I, I prep my husband. He knows he's going to do dinner and bathtub and bedtime all by himself. He's all ready. And, and I get up with my kids, and I make pancakes. Albeit they're the microwave kind, but I make the pancakes. <laughs> I make the pancakes, and I dress them in red, white, and blue. You know, they look super cute to be patriotic, and I take them with me to vote. I'm feeling like super mom. I get them their little I voted stickers, and I drop my son off at daycare, and I take my daughter to a friend's house because there was no school on election day. So, so I'm feeling like super mom, and I'm going to my first assignment. I'm going to really kick ass at work. So, so I go, my job in the morning is to go interview people who have just voted. So I go to McQueen High School, the first play, polling place I'm assigned. And I, I interview people, and I'm getting great stuff. I'm getting great personal stories. I got some people who voted for Clinton. Some people who voted for Trump. I'm getting great stuff. I feel super confident. And then I get that phone call. Now, if my son has done something really cute at daycare, like covered himself head to toe in green paint, I'll get a text from daycare, or maybe I'll get an email. But if you get a phone call from daycare, it can only mean one thing. It means he's sick, and I'm going to go have to pick him up. So I hesitate for a minute, and that makes me feel like a horrible mom. Because, oh my gosh, I hesitate. My kid could be sick at home, and I'm not answering the phone. What kind of horrible mother am I? 
And then I know I have to answer the phone, and then I feel like a crappy employee. Oh, I have to leave the Olympics? I have to tell my bosses I have to leave the Olympics? Really? So I answer the phone, and the daycare teacher says, did you look at your son's tongue this morning? And I'm like, no. I made pancakes. I didn't look at his tongue. No, I didn't look at his tongue. And they say, and this is parents who are in the room know what I'm about to say. They say, we think he has hand, foot, mouth disease. I say, so I tried to debate for a minute. And I said, well, does anybody else have it? And they say, no, but it's really, really contagious. He could have caught it by like lipping, licking a shopping cart. I'm like, are you kidding me? Okay. So I just, so I, I drive to daycare and there I am. I'm like this crappy mom who could be frustrated because my kid is sick. What, what kind of person does that make me? So I get to daycare and I look at his tongue and to me it looks like he just bit his tongue. But, but uh, I leave and I only tell you that story because that's just one snippet of you know, things like that happen every day to working moms. Things like that happen all the time. And there is a happy ending to this story. I, I got into the pediatrician right away um, by saying, it's election day, I have to get in right away. And the pediatrician confirmed my, my fears and said, it looks like he bit his tongue. So I take my son back to daycare and I go back to work. So it was, so it was a really happy ending. I'm up here, and I, I have to say, especially because Kelly probably doesn't know that story, being a mom has so many advantages to the newsroom. It, it's really an asset. For example, I, I feel like I don't have to search high and low for story ideas because I'm constantly surrounded by families at my kids' activities. So if you want to find out gossip, talk to a mom at a kid's birthday party in a bounce house warehouse. You will hear everything you need to know about life. I spend my work nights, you know, my, my evenings at, you know, swim lessons, soccer practice, karate. So I'm always hearing lots of good stories. I'm hearing about what people are talking about. So it gives me great insight about what to write about. I, I often like to joke that I don't need deep throat because I have daycare drop off. <laughs> so while being a mom does help journalism, that's not what... The, the story I want to tell you today. What I want to do right now is I want to tell you three stories that have really impacted me as a mother and a journalist. The first story I want to tell you about is Addie and Cassie Hempel. Now over the years, these are twin girls who were diagnosed when they were young with neiman pick type C disease. This is a devastating disease. It's like childhood Alzheimer's. And over the years, I've written several stories about these girls um, when they were first diagnosed and through some of their treatments. Their, their parents are amazing. They've been really strong advocates for these girls. They, they lobbied the FDA to get experimental treatments tried on their girls. They, they've really raised awareness about rare genetic diseases. And, and they're just adorable little girls, so, so cute and great. And I, over the years, again, they're 13 now, but I, I've written several stories about them and some of their struggles. I, I remember when they were really young and before their disease had progressed, their parents recorded them singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star on tape. But since the disease has really robbed them of a, of a, you know, of a normal life, and now they really struggle to walk and talk, and they have periods of dementia, it, it's really very sad. And I remember during one of my conversations with their mom, Chris Hempel, 
Uh, she had just come from the grocery store, and, and she, she told me a story about watching a parent who was yelling at their child who had just grabbed some candy off the store, off the shelf, and the parent was just losing it and freaking out and screaming at this poor little child. And I remember Chris Hempel turned to me and she said, do you know what I wouldn't give if one of my girls could grab a Snickers off the shelf, tear open the package, and eat it right there in the store? The next little boy I want to tell you about, his name is Noah Leglise. Now, he was a 10-year-old boy, or 10-month-old boy, who was diagnosed with leukemia. He was 10 months, and he was about the same age as my daughter, my first daughter, when he was diagnosed with leukemia. They were both the same age. And I remember hearing about this story, and it was a story I really wanted to do, because over the years as a journalist, I've written lots of stories about sick children, and many with leukemia, and many families have to travel out of the area for treatment. And I figured with this family, I would follow them along as they went through their treatment out of the area. They, went to, they were going to Oakland Children's Center for treatment. And in my mind, when I was doing, starting this story, I always imagined this would be a story that I would do long term. I imagined I'd you know, be following this kid after treatment for a few years through kindergarten and through high school graduation. I just always imagined this would be a long term project. And Noah's parents were both nurses. And after their medical leave had run out, they had, to, they had to keep working to keep their health insurance, and they would swap going down to be with Noah. So it was just such a struggle to have to worry about work and keeping your child alive at the same time. The, the second story I did about Noah was he had to celebrate his first birthday in the hospital, undergoing these horrible treatments. It was just such a cruel and sad birthday for a little boy. And, and again, I always thought this would be a story that I would do long term. Noah died two weeks after his first birthday. And, and his parents were just amazing, and they just loved this little boy, and they had fought for so long. You know, it was just so sad. And I remember sitting, I, I went to his funeral, and I just sobbed and sobbed, and I was so upset. And I remember a few days later going to their house, and his mom said to me, I wish I really hadn't wasted any time worried about work. The, the last story I want to tell you about is about Jacob and Austin Dean. This, these were two little boys that were shot and murdered by their father, who then killed himself. This story is a little different than the others, as when this happened, I was home on maternity leave with my son. And this happened in my neighborhood up in north, northwest Reno. And I remember being at home on maternity leave and sitting in my son's room. And I remember hearing just sirens that seemed to go on and on forever. And I knew as a journalist, gosh, something must be happening, happening that's, that's bigger than just a traffic stop or something, because the alarms just went on forever. So the journalist to me kicked in, and I scoured the internet to find out what happened. And, and I read about this father who had killed his two boys, these beautiful, beautiful boys. And I, the story just haunted me. I, I couldn't understand how a father could do this. I couldn't understand how the mother was surviving. I just couldn't understand like how something like this could happen. 
When I went back to work a couple months later from maternity leave, I remember the, my editors asked me, well, what do you want to work on? You're back from work. And I think the first thing I told them was, I want to follow up with that mother. We never really heard her story, and it, it, it scared me so much. How was she surviving? How could she go through something like this? I said, I want to talk to Jacob and Austin's mom, Ashley. And I reached out to her, and at first she didn't, she didn't want to talk to me. She'd been through so much, and I understood, but, but I persisted because I just had to know how she was surviving. I couldn't understand. And, and she eventually agreed to meet with me, and we, we talked over several months. We, we'd go and have lunch at Bertha Miranda's, and sometimes we wouldn't say much. But eventually, she really opened up, and she shared so much about these two beautiful boys. Jacob was seven, and Austin was two, and Jacob loved to wear ties, and he was just this adorable little boy. And uh, Austin was just this character. He had so much personality for a two-year-old. They were just beautiful boys, and she shared so much, and she was so strong. She just amazed me how she could share so much about these boys. And she told me about her husband, Rob, and how they had been a really happy family, and how he struggled with depression and mental illness, and the person who had done this to her two little boys wasn't the person she had married. She was barely surviving by realizing the person who had done this to her boys wasn't the person she had married. She shared, over our conversation, she shared what had happened that morning her boys were, were killed. She and her husband had recently separated, just a few days, and she was staying with some family, and her husband Rob had the boys for the weekend, and she was getting ready to go out of town, and Rob called and said, I'm going to take the boys for a bike ride. And she had Jacob's bike, so she dropped off the bike at their house. And she was in a rush. She was going out of town. And she heard her boys inside giggling and laughing and having a good time. And as a mom, she didn't want to upset them and go in and say goodbye again. So she just left. She didn't do what she normally did, which was hug and kiss them and say she loved them. She just left. So why my story started off as a story about how being a mom makes me such a better journalist, the truth is being a journalist has made me such a better mom. To Chris Hempel, the mother of Addie and Cassie, I never flip out at my kids at the grocery store. I'm so much more patient. If my kids grab candy, I sometimes just let them have it. I'm such a more patient mom because I know how lucky I am to have kids that are healthy. To Noah's mom who's here tonight, whenever I freak out about work, I realize I have nothing to freak out about because all that matters is that my kids are healthy. And to Ashley Dean who's also here tonight, I never drop my kids off at school. I never go to the grocery store. I barely ever even leave the room without hugging and kissing them and telling my kids how much I love them. And to those three moms, I really have to say thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Reno Storytellers Project. 
This podcast was produced by the Reno Gazette Journal. I'm Brian Dugan. Thank you for listening.